It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. Thank you for staying tuned. This is Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional city ordinances and state statutes, and I have been honored to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party in court. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners, and I have repeatedly served the Superior Court as Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, candidates, lawyers, journalists, and activists inform you about policies shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with differing viewpoints without being attacked to tell you about how they think your community can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with the guest's ideas. Last week, we spoke with Senator... Brian Dolly about a bill he has authored that makes practical changes that improve law enforcement's ability to prosecute criminals. That's SB 804, and our Assembly members Don Addis and Greg Hart need to hear from you about supporting SB 804. Then we heard from Mary Sansoni and Thomas Anderson of First Capital Bank tell us about the difference community banking can make in our county. If you missed those interviews, you can log into knews985.com for the podcasts. And if you don't see the show you want to listen to, there is a link down the page to all the Slow County Public Policy and the Law interviews from the beginning of the show. And if you scroll a little further down... You can help build integrity in local government by clicking on the link that lets you apply to serve on the San Luis Obispo County Grand Jury. Apply before April 12th. In our first hour today, we heard from John Drake, candidate for San Luis Obispo City Council. Now it is a real privilege to talk with Susan Funk to find out why she says you should make her 5th District County Supervisor at this Tuesday's election. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Stu. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. It's a pleasure to have you here. Before we start talking about issues and your goals, let's find out about you. Tell us about yourself. Where were you born? I grew up in Kansas, and my dad was an agricultural engineer. Uh Uh-huh teaching uh, hydrology at Kansas State University when I was little. Wow. And so I spent my whole girlhood driving around all over the Midwest, looking at how everybody's crops were doing and how they were irrigating them and how the irrigation affected the crop yields. He took you with him, didn't he? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, graduate school education for, you know, for the grade schooler um, in those things. But it left me with a lasting appreciation of the importance of our rural lands Mm -hmm and the agriculture that they can generate. Now, completely different set of crops here. Oh, yeah. But... And, it, and it's a, little same, more, yeah. a few more hills, too. 
it depends on which part of Kansas you're in. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I grew up right. in the Flint Hills, and okay. uh, a fair number of folks who uh, who matriculate to the University of Kansas uh, have no idea that it's not flat. Oh. <laughs> there's a, quite a hill there, and uh, you know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, yes. I'm one of the people who didn't know that. So yeah, tell, so that, tell me, you, how did you get to a Tascadero? Sure. So I got to a Tascadero. My, um, I'll you know, skip around. I've, I have uh, have been to uh, uh, college and. Uh, and in graduate school on both coasts. Um, I worked in Washington, D.C. Oh, where did you go to school? So um, I did my uh, my master's uh, in business administration at Stanford. Uh-huh. So that was the first time I came to California. Okay. Um, and my husband uh, was a Los Angeles native. So when I came to L.A. to work after working uh, various parts of the country, uh, then uh, I met and married him and became a permanent Californian. Right. What uh, was your master's degree in? So, MBA, a master's in business administration. Okay. And are you in business? Yes, I've owned a business for 30 years doing management consulting and healthcare. Okay. Started out after I got my MBA doing hospital administration and decided that I would really be happier um, in the consulting world uh, because hospitals move really slowly. <laughs> um, and I understand. I worked and, in a hospital once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, it um, and I'm always been one to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, we need to talk about what has to change, even when that might be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a sensibility that I bring with me into my work in the public sphere, uh, where I've been serving on the Atascadero City Council since 2018. And, and, and uh, Susan, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have children? Yes. And, so we have uh, one son. Is he's, he grown or? He's 26 now. Wow. Okay. And, and you said you got onto the city council in 2018 in Atascadero. Whatever motivated you to do that with all the uh, time and trouble that goes into public service? Well, what motivated me, I'm al- I've always been interested mm-hmm. in this you know, business we call democracy and value the way that we get things done. I spent four years coming out of college before I went to get my MBA working in Washington, D.C. for a Missouri congressman. Mm-hmm. and Not a Kansas congressman. No. <laughs> the Kansas delegation was pretty small, um, and I was able to uh-huh. get the opportunity with a, a Republican congressman, actually, from Missouri mm-hmm. that I liked um, and ended up working there four years and uh, being able to get a real appreciation for how we move things forward. As staff, you don't get to do, you get to, you don't get to do big things, but every now and then you get to tweak something in a way that helps. I, and I, that's, I, that's something that I see in my council work. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the proudest tweak of a federal piece of legislation that you were able to make? when you were staffing with that <laughs> I, Republican congressman in Missouri? I handled a, a, a piece of technical legi- legislation granting the consent of Missouri and of Congress to an agreement between Kansas and Missouri on their border where the river had the audacity to get up and move, um, which is inconvenient. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the state oh, line. And so somewhere in the middle of the old river channel was the state line, but nobody was, was quite sure where. And farmers wanted to pay taxes only once and not twice. You know, and, and those kinds of logical things. But there was a lot of jockeying around. Okay. And I recognized the procedures of the Senate well enough to um, to get it through the Senate after it came through the House, to get it through the Senate um, overnight instead of uh, a six-month you know, going through the committee because I knew exactly who to, to, to tap and ask for mm-hmm. to get the, the work done for our constituents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, 
did not solve world peace. Uh, but it helped the people who were trying to get a problem solved with their government. Well, that's right. That's what government's supposed to do. Yeah, and a lot of that work in the council is just getting stuff done. Now, before running for uh, city council, were you appointed or did you run in a contested race? I ran in a contested race for the first time. Before that, had you run for anything else? I had not run for anything okay. else. Okay. So I stepped up and ran. And it was really at a time in my life where... Um, I had a little bit more time because my son had gone off to college, so I wasn't quite as busy an active parent. There are people who can pull off being an active parent and a public servant and running a business at the same time, but I wasn't one of them. So I had a little more time, and mm-hmm. it was a point where we were really seeing big shifts in our body populace of, and our government about what people were doing, and I really wanted to see where I could make a difference. Well, what what? And what, this, difference that was at my you, door. what difference did you want to make when you decided to run in a, in the city of Atascadero as a council member? Yeah, well, the starting difference was just to recognize that pretty much everyone in the council had either been selected by or approved by the same a cadre of sort of good old boys and girl in, insiders uh-huh. for a sustained period of time, over okay. a decade. And what I saw is that we were not making great decisions because people weren't engaging with with the council as a result okay so i stepped up because i wanted everybody in the community to have a voice in the decisions that shaped our future now why on earth did you decide to leave such a plum position to run for supervisor i stepped up to run for supervisor as a result of the work that i've been doing as a council member and i can do so much more as a supervisor for the community um, because what i've been uh, doing and much of that has been involved in countywide work. I stepped up to chair the largest of the county intergovernmental interagency committees, the Homeless Services Oversight Council, because somebody needed to lead that work and led the development of a new countywide strategic plan on homelessness that we got um, all five county supervisors to support, both before and after the last election that shifted the majority. Mm-hmm. So well, you know, that that kind of work. I have been able to bring people together across all kinds of different divides, you know, geographic and, and partisan and experiential, to uh, to get the, some of the change that our community needs and to start building the infrastructure for that change. And it just takes a lot of time. Well, now, with all of the changes that have happened over the last four years in the supervisorial districts... There's a lot of people who may not know they're in the 5th District. Uh, Can you kind of educate folks on what communities and what parts of the county are in the 5th District now? Sure. So the the 5th District is back to pretty much what it was for the last decade, but wasn't in the last election cycle in 2022. Um, The 5th District starts in um, Atascadero is sort of the northwest corner as an anchor. Okay. It goes down the 101 through Santa Margarita to San Luis Obispo, picks up the areas from Marsh Street out that are closest to Cal Poly and the San Luis Obispo High School area. Does it include any part of and Cal it goes, Poly itself? Yes. It does include parts of the campus. So um, some of the dorms are in it and some aren't. Right. Okay. And they weren't because of the different... You're trying to, in a district, make sure that you have uh, similar numbers of constituents in each district so that it's everyone has fair one representation. One person, one vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that 
they didn't end up being able to do a solution that put all the dorms in in the same. Okay. Um, uh, what what, so, what that, parts of East also, San Luis Obispo? It's also important to know that with this district, I talked about the western boundary of it down the 101, uh-huh. but it also then, you know, at, from Atascadero then goes up um, out Neal Springs Road and up, picks up Ground Squirrel Hollow and then basically runs in parallel lines east to the Kern County line, including Creston and Pozo and California Valley and the Carrizo Plain National Monument. Okay. Does it go down to the southern border with Santa Barbara County? It does not. The okay. southern border is in District 4. All right. Currently represented by Supervisor Jimmy Paulding. Okay. Okay. And then uh, what parts, uh, once you cross the 101 south in the city of San Luis Obispo, what parts of the city of San Luis Obispo there are part of the 5th District? The dividing line is Marsh Street. Uh, so the areas around Johnson Johnson Avenue is not part so, of it. Um, parts of of Johnson Avenue are are part of it. The areas okay. right around San Luis Obispo High School, but not as far as French Hospital. Oh, okay. So you know, it's it's just it's a uh, that corner of it nearest the freeway um, at the uh, top of uh, San Luis Obispo. The thing about the fifth district that's really interesting, Stu, is that. I like to describe this as a supervisor with one foot in a land of cattle ranches and vineyards and one foot in a land of bike lanes and brew pubs. So you have different areas that have very different needs. Mm -hmm. And what I think it's important to have a 5th District supervisor who cares about each part of that district and how to get their needs met without it being in competition with other parts of the district. You know, for me, that's where... I can get attention in the majority coalition of the uh, supervisors for North County issues and for our rural issues in a way that's already been useful and powerful. All right. Now, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Slow County Public Policy and the Law. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. We're having a nice chat with Susan Funk, who wants you to vote for her for county supervisor if you happen to live in the 5th district and that's on Tuesday. What are the main issues that you see where you think you can make a difference as a member of the board of supervisors? I think the biggest difference that I'll make are in the areas of homelessness, housing and water. Well, everybody's been talking about homelessness. Um I think when I sued the city of San Luis Obispo in 2012 because it was mistreating homeless people, there was a 10-year plan and it was almost up and nothing really had gotten better. What's your plan to actually fix things for folks who are having to live under bridges and for the rest of us who really hope that uh, we don't have to meet folks when we go under a bridge? It starts with recognizing that there are human beings on both sides of that issue. Human mm-hmm. beings who just want sure. to feel safe in their neighborhoods and in the businesses that they patronize. Um, and human beings who are just trying to get through the day with, without somebody throwing a beer bottle at them. You know, this is, yeah. you know, those, all of these are human beings that we're dealing with. Absolutely. And it was the conviction that we have a plan that could actually get implemented. Well, how does that plan that, actually fix things without just being something that moves people around to get them out of the way till yeah. they, till till the next time folks think they need to be moved out of the way. 
Right. Well, that's that's why I focused on a plan that we could get the counties and the city, the county and the cities working together on on it, and something that would have real implementation teeth sure. behind it. So it's a five year plan, and we didn't promise to end homelessness mm-hmm. because we're not going to do that. What does the plan do? So the plan the plan involves a mix of integrating, adding housing integrated with services to support people so that they can function well in that housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, has data to be able to create accountability and performance metrics so that we can be more efficient in managing that and really focus on the things that work and figure out who's not getting addressed and where you know what we need to do and what everybody's fair share is of this work. Mm-hmm. All of that needs data to support it. And we have to have a uh, countywide agreement you know, with a, a compact among the cities and the county to as to who's going to do what of this as we move and additional pieces of this as we move forward and to well, communicate that and integrate that with for our listeners folks. yeah for our listeners who some of whom are just getting inter- introduced to you mm-hmm. that all sounds nice but if it's not going to end homelessness what percentage of folks who are now unhoused are likely to find housing under this plan the five-year goal was to cut homelessness in half okay it doesn't have to end there but, but that was a, a really good manageable stretch goal. Uh, it involved uh, really an, analyzing what kind of housing it's going to take to do that and what could we actually achieve. Uh, it, it includes uh, a plan to add about 300 units of transitional or interim housing. Where? Like, um, in, a, in a variety of places okay. around the county. Uh, we've got, for instance, the Cabins for Change in Grover Beach uh-huh. are an example of that. These are 100 square foot little cabin units where the bathroom's in another unit down the way um, and that are big enough for the homeless person and their dog. These are the teeny homes. Yeah, these yeah. are these mm-hmm. are little, very small units. In fact, the next ones to be built will be 64 square feet. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so they don't have, this jo- is not... Jo- Joe, who's operating the board, is uh, wincing because I know he's thinking I can't fit into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing but- is... What it offers somebody who's been living out on mm-hmm. the street is that hand up out of homelessness by helping them stabilize their life for a period of time. They, and we're using in these programs um, the 90-day model that was pioneered at ECHO of a structured way to support people through their you know, their pathway out of homelessness into housing. And ECHO has done a very good job. A lot of very wonderful volu- volunteers and they've uh, done a good job with the money some of the programs uh, have had histories where it looked like it was kind of questionable who was actually benefiting from the money that got sent to them so uh, I want to compliment Echo yeah Echo's that. a very lean operation mm-hmm. and they got 201 people into permanent housing last calendar year yeah. and they've already gotten 40 um, some people I forget the exact number um, as of this date. Um, and, and having lived in Atascadero, no one wants to be homeless in Atascadero in the winter. Nobody wants to, to be homeless anywhere in this county Nobody in the winter. Nobody wants to be. Uh, it's cold, it's wet at night. You know, yeah. it, it's Sometimes it snows. Right. And, but it's also, for our, our rural listeners, we talk a lot about homelessness. Uh-huh. And they don't see it as much in their faces. And that's part of that is because when people uh, don't have access to refrigeration um, or ability to cook, they're going to gravitate 
towards some place where they can eat. Right. Yeah. And nobody's serving dollar value meals in Pozo. <laughs> well, no. Uh, right. So, you know, so well, this becomes so folks who are from this community and lose their housing mm-hmm. end up clustering a little more into the more populous parts of our community because food is there and other services are there that they need. The medical care is there that they end up needing. A lot of my uh, mm-hmm. rural clients uh, and a lot of our rural listeners uh, are concerned about rural issues. And one of those is water and one of them is property taxes. Mm-hmm. And with Prop 19, there's been some changes in being able to leave to your children uh, property with a stable tax base. I know there's been a big brouhaha in the campaign over whether you support Proposition 13 uh, and those property taxes. And uh, and I know there's been uh, arguments about different positions on uh, water rights in the North County. So we're actually coming up pretty soon on a hard break, but uh, which of those issues would you like to deal with first? Let's start with Prop 13, because I want to make it very clear okay. that I support Prop 13. Well, there, there's a couple an, of initiatives coming up that would reduce the percentage that they'll be coming up in November. That would reduce the percentage uh, from uh, two-thirds to 55% for the ability of a government agency to uh, have a tax increase. For yeah, so for how, cert- how do you feel about those initiatives? Cert- those First of all, I have exactly as much power to influence that as you do and Mm -hmm. joe does here is running the board because uh we are all california voters and this is a statewide thing that voters are going to make the choice on rightfully so but but Uh, but you've been politically active are you going to take a position on those initiatives so um as you know time comes up you know we will we'll do that is that the those are coming for the ballot for the fall um I think it's really important that we be able to have honest conversations about how we fund our government, or otherwise we end up not being able to fund our public safety. And that, you know, that means one way or another we have to be able to to look at the trade-offs of different approaches. The key thing is the scaremongering that's going on right now. Well, we're going to talk about that on the other side of this and news that's break, not happening. Susan. So. Okay. Stay tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're going to talk more about taxes with Susan Funk on the other side of the news.